It's your Locked On Flyers podcast for Thursday, June 2nd, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that has some Connor McLennan questions. I have a few. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, once again, I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. You can find my incredible co-host Russ Cohen here on Twitter at Sportsology. Thanks for making Lockdown Flyers your first listen every day. You can follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Flyers. You'll keep up to date on all of the Flyers news and our episodes. You can also email the show at LockdownFlyers at gmail.com. On today's show, we are going to talk about the latest Flyers news with their prospect announcements from yesterday, including the decision not to sign Connor McLennan. We are also going to get into prospect draft boards and the differences between maybe what writers will rank versus what team boards will look like and why that is. And then we will have our weekly prospect profile. We're going to take a look at Charlie Letty. Locked on Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you are listening right now. So hit subscribe. You'll get all of our episodes here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We're also over on YouTube, so you can subscribe over there and see our shining faces every day. All right, Russ, man, I got to say, not 100% surprising, but I would say 90% surprising that the Flyers did not sign prospect Connor McLennan. What's your theory here? Okay, so a couple things. The first thing is, is, and I saw Charlie O'Connor sort of had like the, what he was sort of told he believes the answer as to why he's not there, why he's not being signed. And some of it comes down to skating. And it's like, that's the easy fallback, right? Because even at that Mm -hmm. age, nobody has their skating fully figured out yet, unless you're Connor McDavid. What I find interesting is though, is that still Bobby Brink has not figured out his skating, but he did lead the nation in scoring. So, Hey, you know, we've signed him. That's okay. I honestly think it comes down to the fact that he's five foot eight, 160 something pounds. And they look at it and say, we're tight on contracts. And what do we think going forward? Well, I think what they say behind closed doors is, you know, we're looking to get bigger and harder to play against. And we don't want a lot of small guys. So now they have like two, they have like Bobby Brink and Emil Andre in their system. And I guess this was just going to topple that apple cart. And, you know, I, I couldn't disagree more because, again, I'm one of the biggest nerds that actually covers camp and writes notes about it and goes back and looks at it and, and updates players with it. And, and he was good in camp. Uh, I didn't see a skating problem at all. Actually, my only issue for him was needs a little work on the stick and puck control, which clearly wasn't a problem when he played at, at the WHL this year. Uh, you can't say that he is just benefiting from Matt Savoy because he's not. Because I saw him in camp and he was creating and doing all that without Matt Savoy. Um, you know, there was a kid, I probably used it on the show, Danny Rusin, who played along Sidney Crosby, got over 100-something points uh, back in juniors with, with Sidney and could never do it at the NHL level. And I remember seeing him play for the Monarchs and I was like, wow, he really isn't a great hockey player. So he was a guy that was a beneficiary, but the right. Flyers had the ability to see him without Matt Savoy, even if they thought that. 
And unless they saw things completely different from me, which I don't think they did, I honestly think the contract thing got tight. So then they really are, you know, being very um, microscopic about his flaws and then decided that was just not worth it. And, you know, you're basically what you've done here is you've bet against yourself because there was something you saw in him that made you draft him and you were hoping he's a goal scorer and he scored 43 goals. And now you're saying it's not, it's not good enough to, to, to move forward with us in the future. So you have now bet against yourself. So you've mentioned Matt Savoy a couple of times, obviously one of the big name prospects we've talked about in terms of this year's draft teammate of Connor McLennan with the Winnipeg ice. And I wonder if that projects anything in terms of the flyers potentially picking Savoy because now Savoy has higher numbers. So I, I understand that. So it gives him a little bit more, I think of a ceiling than McLennan did. Absolutely. But I wonder if that says "Mm, maybe the Flyers aren't going to go in that direction if he's available. It does make me wonder because again, why didn't they go with Cole Caulfield? I hate to go back to that, but what really was the reason they never said, um, I, you know, I think part of it was, Hey, we knew we could get uh, Cam York. And then we think we can get the scoring back in the second round and they got Brink and that may not work out. Uh, there's a chance he'll score some for sure. You know, he might be a 17-goal scorer, but I don't think he's going to ever be 30, 35 like Caulfield. So then you have to decide, was that really good um, down the road? When when you're looking at players, here's what I always say. If you need goal scoring and you believe a guy's a goal scorer, then you have to figure out how he's scoring the goals and you think, and do you think it will translate over? And there is nothing that I've looked at with McLennan that says it won't transfer over except uh, is a guy, is is somebody going to beat the hell out of him every game and stop him from doing that? Yeah, I don't know. It makes me a little nervous because I, I think Savoy is, is a kid that has a lot of potential and, you know, if he's available, would be a really good option. Now, at five, if they pick somebody else, you're not going to get, you know, a ton of argument because there are other good options, but I just don't want them to take him off their board because of these size issues. I mean, I don't either, but again, you know, you, you took somebody off of the board who had 81 points, unless you think that the WHL is an inferior league. Uh, now, again, if they draft Connor Geeky, then we're going to know for sure, right? Yeah, I think that would be a giant tell. Absolutely. All right. We did hear uh, for sure that they did not sign Marcus Westfault, which we talked about on yesterday's show. No surprise there. But what we also heard was that they extended bona fide offers to picks from this past year. Uh, Ethan Sampson, who was their sixth round pick, and Owen McLaughlin, who was their seventh round pick. And what this does is that it holds the rights for another year so they can wait until next season to send ELCs. Right. So, again, um, I I like Sampson. I think uh, McLaughlin has all the things that Brett Flair likes, and I'll say, and I'll leave it at that. Yeah, Ethan Sampson uh, did take a step forward this season with uh, Prince George in the WHL. So another WHL kid in Uh the bunch to talk about. Uh, He had 43 points in 68 
games played, uh, 15 goals and um, in that season. So, you know, again, not like huge super breakout, but definitely took a step forward. So it's worth having this opportunity next season to take another look and, and see where we're at with him. Owen McLaughlin, again, he was a local kid. Uh, so it was a, a feel-good story picking him in the seventh round. Played with Sioux City in the USHL. Uh-huh. 28 goals in 62 games played. He also had five assists in 10 playoff games and committed to University of North Dakota next season. So that's a, a really strong program. And uh-huh. I, I think he could take a significant step forward. But it's really good to have that first year of NCAA hockey to know for sure. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I agree with that. Uh, also, some news with Maxim Sushko. Yeah, he signed in the KHL. And I don't blame him. I, I think the writing was on the wall that he was never really going to get a fair shot. I think there was a point last year he really was playing well, and you and I were like, let's take a look at him, and they didn't take a look at him. So I think this was his answer back. And I don't kill the Flyers for this one, but I don't blame the player. Yeah, I don't either. I think it's a good chance for him to just have a fresh start. And uh, I don't think the Flyers were going to do anything with him anyway. And so I don't, it's not a huge loss for the organization. I think it's just really better off for him. And that's all you can hope for with him. I agree. All right. We are going to talk about prospect grading and ranking coming up next. Really excited for this conversation. But first, I want to talk to you about Built Bar. And man, people love Built Bars, but they also love granola bars. And Built put that together and have produced Built Granola Bars. They're so different from the regular bars and the puffs. They're loaded with granola. It's the perfect combination of crunch and chewiness. But just like the bars and puffs, they're packed with protein and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. They've got 150 calories, but 15 grams of protein and only four grams of sugar. They have cracked the code to a better granola. They're a perfect healthy snack to pack in your lunch. You can take it on the road with you, eat it as a snack. And they're made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. So if you've been waiting for a healthy and delicious granola bar to hit the market, this is your time. Built granola bars come in three delicious flavors to try, chocolate peanut butter, chocolate coconut, and what I think is my favorite, white chocolate berry. You got to get yours today. And if you want to try all three flavors, get a mixed box at built.com right now. You can use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, we have an important favor to ask you out there. Locked On has put together a survey so we can learn more about listeners just like you and make your favorite Locked On podcasts even better. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like and you don't like about Locked On podcasts. So go to LockedOnPodcasts.com slash survey right now to get started. It won't take very long and everyone that completes a survey can qualify for a chance to win one of $1,000 Ticketmaster gift cards. That's pretty cool. That is good. To take our survey, go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey. And thanks for all your help. 
All right, Russ, we are in the month of June. It's creeping closer to the draft in July, and people are starting to get a little more active in terms of talking about the prospects, looking at the rankings lists. And so I thought it'd be good to talk about what prospect writers and evaluators do versus what teams lists look like. So I think the first question is, what is the difference in terms of what they value in a prospect. Okay. So as an example, and this is because I've spoken to a lot of scouts and looked at their books and looked at how they do it. Like every scout has their own methodology, right? The team sends them out and says, Hey, go scout these guys, but also look for these four or five things that we believe are core things in our organization. So you never know what those are, but that's part of the marching orders. But then the scout has his own way of doing it and some color code, some go with the, you know, 80, 20 scale. There's a lot of different things. So Mm -hmm. when you get past that, now when you're looking at the analyst, writer, somebody like that, like me, well, where are you getting your viewings from? How often are you getting your viewings? Because I've spoken to guys that have seen players up to 40 times in a season. I can't afford to see somebody up to 40 times in a season. Now, I can, uh, but I still like the eye test too. So as an example, I probably saw kids in the U.S. program five or six times live this year, which is a lot. For me, that was good. It gave me a good basis for um, seeing them. And then the USHL, I go to the tournament where they're all there. That helps too. Uh, But it's early in the season. You still have to update what you do then. Everybody, again, has their own methodology. What I look at is what I see on the ice. Then I look at video. I always want to see behind the play things that I'm not seeing on on camera, I want to see both ends of the ice. I don't I just I don't want to just watch a guy's goal highlights because that doesn't tell you anything other than hey, this is great, he could do this. But I need to figure out what he can't do too. That's a part of it. And then I also want to know more about the player, the mental part. And that's why I really go after um, a lot of these players and write about them because they teach me about themselves. They sometimes teach me about their teammates. Sometimes they teach me about, about the circumstances of a year, how it's going. All those things kind of help me just get my best guess going. Now with teams, sometimes teams, when they're looking for things, are looking for a particular need. So they're like, hey, we know we should take best player available, but we really need this. And if there's still this guy or that guy that's on the board, we're taking one of them. Because we just feel like in three, four, five years, this is what we're going to need. Because again, at the draft, you should be looking for what you're going to need in the future. You shouldn't be looking for what I need now. So, and a perfect example would be, hey, Carter Hart's not going to be the Flyers goalie forever. And this is why I say every year draft a goalie because goalies take four or five years anyhow. And by the time Hart is, you know, either done with the Flyers contract wise, or maybe he got hurt or whatever, you got to have somebody, maybe two guys waiting in the wings. That's the only way you could really do that. So you have to have a little bit of luck, but you also have to, restock the pond with certain things like that. Also, you have to have foresight into what you think the league will be. So as an example, teams now, there are teams like the Flyers that clearly are looking to get bigger, stronger, harder to play against. We've heard this mantra. Does that mean the league will be like that in four or five years when these prospects start making it to the NHL from this? No, it means it could be completely different. You have to look ahead. I've seen teams... um, and, 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 I, and I think some writers and, and analysts are guilty of this, too. And look, we all have biases, me too. 
um, and I try not to to use them. I try and if I notice it, try and work my way out of it and say, okay, maybe let's look at this again. But the idea is when you're looking at these things, you also have to look at it with some foresight and mm -hmm. say, okay, what will the league be like in five years? Now I'm looking at this guy. He's a 5'8 defenseman. Can a 5'8 defenseman play in five years? Me personally, yeah, I think they will be able to. I think speed's only getting better in this league. I think hits to the head and everything else are going down. Uh, we might see more instances of it in the playoffs, but we see less of it in the regular season. So I have to look at that now and value players based on that. So because if I get that wrong, then, you know, I'm going to get a lot of things wrong. Yeah, one of the things that I'm interested in most specifically is when you see a fault or a flaw in these skaters in terms of how does somebody like you evaluate can this be fixed versus a team? Okay, so like the Flyers, you know, have used like Barb Underhill for skating, right? One of the best skating mm -hmm. coaches out there. The Leafs have used her. A lot of teams have used her and she's had great results. Uh, so they know if they take somebody who skating isn't great, who they can send her to, what's been done before, they've they got a, a mental list of, hey, remember, she's corrected this guy, that guy, whatever. We think this guy can get corrected too, so that's why we could take this pick. I don't necessarily know that, right? So all I could look at is, hey, can that flaw be fixed? First thing is, every player works on their skating at every level, every year. So you have to look at it and say, by the time you see them for the draft, they've been working on their skating for years anyhow, way, way before. Like when they were 12, they were working on their skating. They were already taking power skating lessons and some figure skating lessons. So I'll use Matthew Strom as an example because he was a guy that I looked at and said, I just don't think he'll ever have the foot speed, but he has everything else you want in a hockey player. And that's why he could play at the AHL level because he can get away with it there. With the NHL, you just can't get away with it. Now, that's something where you have to look at then, and there are some people that do it way better than me. Uh, you know, there's ankle flexion, there's two-step quickness, there's there's these other things as to yeah. well, what's a guy fast at, what's he not fast at? So as an example, Sam Moran was fast straight line. Point A to point B, he actually was fast. Everything else, the turns, all that, not so great. Uh, and that took a while to for him to get fixed. And unfortunately, you know, he had injuries and all those other things. But you have to look at those kinds of things. Like when you looked at Patrick Kane, you knew he was fast, right? But then there was this other thing he can do, and that was avoid players. He would be elusive. He would shake them. He could do like a shake and bake. And all of a sudden, the guy, you know, doesn't know where the puck is, doesn't know where he is anymore. There are guys that can do that. The guys that can do that, like Connor Bedard, those are obvious ones where you say, all right, that's something in his game that, you know, that's going to be, you know, special and hard to cover. But on the on the flaw end, you know, you look at release. Sometimes guys score a lot of goals in juniors, but their release is slow. Are they going to be able to get faster at that? How are they scoring goals? Sometimes these six six guys are scoring in juniors all around the net. Are they going to continue to be able to score around the net and just kind of bully uh, the defense and get right in there? Probably not. Or like giant NHL defensemen just going to push them out of the way. <laughs> Correct. And so you have to look at that too. So I always look at how is this person scoring goals? And, and honestly, the more ways that you could score them, the better. I mean, I'll again use Cole Caulfield as an example. Before the draft, 
Uh, I know he's a goal scorer. I watched him with the NTDP. So, but then I asked him, I said, but everybody watches you that way. So what are you going to do that's different when, you know, you eventually get to the NHL and they know where your shot is and, you know, know where you like to do it from. And he's like, well, that's where I change up the angles. I work on that every day because I'm trying to shoot from different angles all the time to fool the goalie because I don't want them to get a book on me. When you can learn things like that, then you realize, right. okay, this guy has already thought ahead. So one of the other things that I think is interesting about the process of prospect evaluation is that, you know, a guy like you in a vacuum, now you write for, for outlets. And so mm-hmm. in terms of the outlet rankings, it's a group process, but in terms of yes. the individual profiles, it's usually a single writer, right? Yeah, I give them my own list. Right, exactly. And so you don't have to convince anybody of what you think, right? Because it's your own product. But on a team, let's, you know, you have scouts that have their different areas or their different geography regions, their different levels Mm -hmm. of play and all of this stuff. They have to then come together in a room and sell their favorites to Mm -hmm. a group, which creates a completely different process, I think, here. So part of the rankings that a team would have on their boards is a reflection of how well the individual scouts can sell their favorites to the group. Right. So the best story I give for this one is with the New York Rangers and Henrik Lundqvist. Because everybody's like, well, he got picked in, what, the seventh round, blah, 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 blah. Well, Crystal Rockstrom, the guy who drafted him, well, not the guy who drafted him, the guy who scouted him at the draft was pounding the draft table from the first round all the way through. Every round he kept telling them, you need to draft this kid. You need to draft this kid. Draft this kid. Draft this kid. They drafted, I told you, they drafted another goalie ahead of Henrik Lundqvist in that draft. And then they finally listened to him. They threw him a bone. And Mm -hmm. turns out that's their best goalie maybe ever, right? And so, yeah, that's the the hard part about it. And that's where I always tell people, I'm not going to lose my job if my list is bad or you find that, hey, I misevaluated three or four or five players down the line and all my stuff's on the line. So I online. So I, you know, people can look up my stuff anywhere, you know, between the 15 years right. and my website and other interviews, it's easy to find my stuff, but my job is not dependent on that. Some guys, you make the wrong decision. You're getting fired. And that's where it's a serious business. And that's why I don't take it lightly for in that, in that regard, because I'm not doing this for a livelihood where, Hey, I may not be able to feed my family if I do a lousy job. That is uh, really interesting. That To me, that's the most interesting part of it and where you find the differences. Because if you have, you know, you're an individual guy and you have, you know, just a prospect writer in general, you have your rankings list. That's like your own work and your own work product. And so like doing it in a group where you have to come to a consensus and then the GM could just go off the board and do what they want anyway. So the GM's got the final say. And yeah, but I will tell you most times the GM will go with his guys. Um, There have been times where a GM will literally rip up a list and just, you know, use a different list. Like that's happened. And then usually those guys aren't retained. Uh, so, but it's a rare situation. That, that That's not an everyday situation. All right. We are going to talk about one of those prospects coming up next. Uh, a cool kid named Charlie Letty. So, Russ, Charlie Letty, really interesting case here, I think, because if you look at 
uh, prospect evaluation list, not on a lot of people's lists. No. And so I'm very curious to hear why you wanted to talk about him specifically. He is a defenseman from Connecticut. He's on the U.S. National uh, Team Development Program group. Uh, 26 games played, seven assists this year. Did play on the U18 Worlds team in six games, had two assists. Is committed to Boston College for next year. But yeah, why are we talking about Char- Charlie Letty? You still have to pick in the third, fourth round, don't you? Um, he, he is on the national development team and he's hiding in plain sight. So many people have not talked about this guy. There's so many people that if they have talked about him, they haven't seen him play, like honestly. Mm-hmm. And so I had this conversation with Ryan Chesley, and I do this a lot. Uh, I'll say, well, who's the most underrated guy on your team? The guy nobody's talking about, but you kind of wish they were. And he said, Charlie Letty. And I know, I look, I saw Charlie Letty at least three times this year live and i was like all right so i i you know because i was thinking about two weeks ago about looking at anyhow for my expanded list for elite prospects because that's due soon right so i went back and looked at it and for one thing bc doesn't mess around like if if they're taking a defenseman he could play defense so know for sure he this guy can play defense and he's not an offensive dynamo or anything like that but he's a good puck mover he's smart he's really really smart he's another one of these defensemen that may surprise us with the points that he gets simply because he's right place, right time, gets the puck out. You know, he's maybe that first pass and it turns into a goal. That happens and it happens a lot more now in this era with the game opened up a little bit more than it has been. So that's something. uh, He's a right-handed shot. He's physical. I just, his safe clears are really good because again, with the NTDP, he was playing a top four spot and they'll play against colleges and play some pretty heavy duty matchups at times and he was good he's calm and Mm -hmm. he's the kind of guy that you know what you need a bunch of charlie levies on your team you need him in your system because not everybody's kale mccarr yeah i think he's an interesting you know third fourth round option because um especially in a situation where you know he's going to get tougher minutes next year in college mm-hmm. that maybe he's an unsung hero to the development team program guys because the minutes that he gets doesn't allow him to shine right. in the best way possible right. but if there's you, only so many touches that go around yeah if if you're going to a school like Boston College you're going to get the spotlight no matter what you do right. <laughs> at a certain point and that's no, true at, in that group of teams in Boston, you're going to have a lot of eyes on you. And I think that um, given kind of the, it seems like a low risk pick. Yeah, it is a low risk pick. Yeah, that he's a guy that even if he winds up being an AHL level player, like you need a guy like that on your AHL team as well. So you're not going to get a bad hockey player as a result. You're trying to get like two guys that make it to the NHL for like 200 games every draft, right? And so, mm-hmm. honestly, sometimes GMs have to pick safe to keep their jobs, right? Because, you know, the owner starts looking at them, going back and, you know, looking at who's sticking, who isn't. It's not that hard. Just go online. You could do it, right? And, yeah. you know, so this is where a GM could really keep his job by getting certain picks that are safe picks. You look at them. He's, he's the right size. He's had the right background. He's going to college. 
things are going good. He played with the NTDP. He's going to be with BC probably for three, four years. Like this is, you know, the path. And, and again, if he goes three, four years, I don't have to worry about offering him contracts so he doesn't have to be one yep. of these 29 guys that we just talked about where, you, you know, you have to tender him early and you don't have to worry about that. All those things are positives. And my website, sportsology.com, is full of guys like Charlie Levy, like I just interviewed Zach Bookman, guys like that who I feel, hey, you know what? You're going to forget that I told you about them, you know, after this draft. And maybe, you know, you'll, you'll hear about them in rookie camp. But in three, four years, you may go back and say, oh, yeah, you know, that guy's playing really good for my team now or for another team. And I kind of wish my team would have taken him. Usually that's what ends up happening. It's usually that second. Yeah. No, well, I've had that happen on the the other side of things for me too. Unfortunately, the Flyers let him go to another team, and that's Negabe Kubel. I thought he was a really yeah. great depth pick. Yeah. All right. Uh, wrapping up with our Flyers fun thing. It's Pride Month, and the Flyers put out their initial statement with all the activities they're doing, local organizations they're supporting, which is great. Really amazing pick of Scott Lawton with the giant pride flag going up yeah. over the Wells Fargo center. So that's really cool. Glad they're at least starting out with some really good content related to pride month. So enjoy that everybody. Uh, we will be back tomorrow where we're going to talk about the combine, which is something that parts of it get a lot of play, but parts of it we don't know about. So we're going to dig into that a little bit more. We're going to talk about prospect Marco Casper, and we'll wrap up with our gritty thing of the week. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. Send us in your mailbag questions via Twitter at Locked On Flyers, or you can email us at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at Miriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russum at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. You made us your first listen today. Now make your second listen Locked on NHL. Locked on NHL covers the playoffs like no other. Hear the latest news and opinions from local experts every Monday through Friday. I am on the Friday show. You can catch me there. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great day, everyone.